Ever wondered how to make money and conflict work for you? Is that even a thing? Today you're listening to Sarah Squared, a conversation brought to you by conflict resolution expert Sarah Blake and finance expert Sarah Wells. They'll be sharing personal stories, real-life professional cases, and heaps of tips on how you can turn problems into opportunities. They do this with humour and more than likely a bottle of gin. So don't let the uncomfortable stop you from moving forward. Welcome back to Sarah Squared, where we talk all things money and conflict and helping make it work for you. Today, Sarah, uh, welcome back and welcome to everyone. We are talking about language. And really, I think we often hear this notion of love language. It's very popular. It is. It's kind of uh, a popular thing, a popular book. Perhaps that's what we're looking to be fulfilled with love in our lives. But guess what? There's also power around money language. Tell me more about this. And is there really a money language? It's something that I've been, you know, I've spent over 20 years looking at the psychology of people with money. Yeah. I find it absolutely fascinating. You know, some people, you know, have interesting hobbies and bits and pieces. I like talking about money, not because I like money, but I really find it interesting about how some people and some couples and some business owners, they really navigate this whole conversation really well. And they don't have the absence of conflict, but they move through it and they learn from it. That's why I love talking to you. So I love talking about conflict and I've spent, you know, over 25 years doing the same. And I have to admit that I haven't always been good at talking about money. I'm really good at conflict, but I haven't been so good at having the money conversations. So I'm really curious to hear from you about this notion of creating a shared money language that helps me and my partner or me and my business colleagues be able to navigate our way through so that we aren't driven by conflict. So in the interest of transparency, can I share something (laughs) with you? Please do. Okay. I believe that I have created in my relationships a money language to avoid conflict because I don't like it. (laughs) Interesting. Do you think it's working for you or do you think it's the avoidance? I like to believe it's working for me. There are certainly areas that I will avoid because I'm human. And what we spoke about earlier is that we're not perfect. That's right. Like I am sure you and I will go on our day today and we will somehow fail to have a conversation, (laughs) lack courage, get caught up with fear and possibly buy something that we probably shouldn't shouldn't buy to make ourselves feel better because we're human. Yeah. What I have found though is, um, and it started in a relationship that I had in my mid-20s. And we were talking about relationships and the types of people we choose and things like that, you know, on a, on a break in between sessions. And it was really that we didn't talk about money. We talked about the things we would do with money and we had very similar ideas, mm. but we never really got down to dollars and cents. Yeah. And I found that for me, my money language consists around the devil is in the detail. Mm. So I like to quantify things 
And for some other people, that can be really frustrating. Yeah. Some people like to talk about the philosophy of money, mm. whereas for me, it's really important in a relationship to quantify it. So with my partner, for example, it could be a simple thing as going on a holiday. We will set a budget. Yep. So I'm all about budgets. How he breaks down that budget, I don't really mind mm. because I look at the value that I'm getting from the experience. So what I like to look at is this avoidance of conflict. And, I, and I'm, I'm giggling here because an example is my partner does the bookings for holidays. Yeah. But he's always really worried that I'm not going to like the accommodation <laughs> because he's made a wrong choice. Yeah. And I kind of think that I'm really clever that I've got to delegate possibly also a really big part of the problem, which is making a decision on where to stay. But what I explained to him is I don't really mind because we stay within our budget. Yeah. And as soon as he started to see that I wasn't really concerned with how much we paid per night for something versus what the total cost of the holiday was, the stress just got totally diffused. Yeah. And he stopped worrying about things and got on with making that decision. Yeah. Look, I think it's true too of a lot of people's relationships. And when I think about the conflicts that I deal with and I often see a disconnect between people when they are talking about those dollar figures and and the money. And so that disconnect around um, how you use it, uh, what you buy, how you buy, perhaps how the payments are made or what you think about for the future. We often make so many assumptions around those questions. And that's why I think I like detail because the detail takes away the assumption. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest things I see people really struggle with is they struggle to understand, for example, like a joint bank account. Mm. So that is basically, you know that you're in a relationship when you have a joint bank account. Yeah. It might not be that you're living under the same roof. You are really together when you mix money. Yeah. You can mix body parts <laughs> and you can mix friends and you oh, can mix families. Costs, doesn't it, when you mix money? But when you mix money, you are really putting trust in the other person. Yeah. And I find that for many people, they put financial inf- infidelity at the same rate that they do, you know, relationship infidelity. Yeah. It's a deep betrayal, I think. And uh, I don't know, I, I'm probably a little bit different from you because I'm not naturally a details person. So I'll I'll have a rough idea about, you know, how we spend or where we spend it. But uh, my husband is certainly a details person. And so sometimes I think our conflicts emerge from this uh, disconnect or this clashing of approaches to that money conversation. And what I want people to take away from this around that is you don't need to have the same money language. Mm. So my partner and I are very similar. Um, yours, you guys have come from a- We're opposing, certainly not. <laughs> opposing perspectives. But it's that recognition and acknowledging that one is not right and one is not wrong. Yeah. Like sometimes I think it might actually be interesting to have a different perspective when it comes to, to how we talk about money because it can be really quite- Procedural, Yeah. And I think this is something that I've certainly learned too as I've got older around what are our priorities and values around what we do with money and what are the roles we play in our relationships with money. You know, my husband and I will have to often negotiate around what that looks like, who does what, who follows up on paying the bills or who follows up on getting quotes. He's a super good researcher. So he'll, he's got the Scottish blood, you know, he won't pay an extra cent more than he has to. But I'll probably be saying, hey, but that's a lot of time you're putting into that. Is that really worth the effort or is it just a couple of 
$100 and we can carry that cost. So we are constantly learning to renegotiate those things. And I think you've really hit on a, two really important um, topics. And one is, you know, in a financial relationship, playing to your strengths. Yeah. And I think also defining value. So there are some things that if we look at it from a, a quantifiable basis or money or dollar value, there are some things that I'm quite happy to pay a lot more for. Yeah. Because I either don't want to do it or I have very little interest in it, but I derive great satisfaction from the outcome. Yeah. And one of those things is cleaning. Yeah. <laughs> or not cleaning. Yeah. So I love having someone come every week and I come home on a Thursday and my sheets are changed and my house is beautiful and I feel amazing. Yay. So I will always factor that into the budget. Yep. I'll eat baked beans to do that. <laughs> not everyone is going to be the same in a relationship. And I see that that can be, you know, someone's partner might want to eat steak and not be able to do that. So as far as being willing to have those compromising conversations with partners, I think is important in understanding or navigating the differences in your um, money language because I know it works in love languages. Yeah. What I am really curious about is that I think that we've got to a point in society somewhat where we are letting our differences divide us. When actually our differences aren't a bad thing. It's what we do with them that matters. Well, I think we're, we're trying to celebrate differences. Like whether you look at everything that's going on in the world at the moment, it's our differences that should be celebrated. Yeah. But yet for some reason when it comes to conflict or money, we're all fe- feeling that we need to agree on everything. And I think the biggest thing that I've noticed is there is this undercurrent at the moment that if I disagree with you, I don't like you. Yeah. And I can disagree with you, still like you very much and still be willing to be in a relationship with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And things about money. Money particularly, we don't have to think the same way, but we can negotiate some shared commonalities, some shared values and in a sense some shared rules around how we as partners move forward. And you segued really nicely into the <laughs> takeaway for that one. So what I found has worked well with most people. Yeah is really writing your own rule book or your own playbook. Now, it doesn't you don't have to do what the Joneses do. You don't even have to do what the Sarahs do. But what you do need to do is between you and your significant other or significant others, however many people are involved in the financial <laughs> relationship, is to work out what are joint decisions and what are singular decisions. Because making everything a joint decision also doesn't work. Yeah. Like you have the right to spend money on what you want to spend on that that brings you joy. But there are also things that are decided within the family unit. Mm. And a lot of those things are, like we said, they're boring things like how do we pay the bills? Do we put money aside? You know, what's the weekly budget? So really it is sitting down and having that conversation and going, do you want to work to a budget? Mm. Or do you want to work to a dollar value? Yep. Who does the grocery shopping? Who's going to pay the bills? And there will generally be a natural administrator. My partner is my natural administrator in my relationship. He sets everything up. But what we do do and what I make sure I do is I sit down with him and we decide how we're going to do it. When I first heard you say that piece of advice, it was really empowering for me to talk about it's okay that one partner is the administrator and one isn't. But we each have a different and important role to play. You know, I do a lot of the caring and the shopping and all these other things. So we we kind of delegate out and perhaps we hadn't 
hadn't talked about that so much. Hearing you say that helped give me the confidence to have a different conversation with my partner around how we navigate our way forward. I think it's really important. I'm so glad that you were able to see that whilst there may be a way one relationship does it, it doesn't mean you have to do it the same way, but you can take a learning from the process. Because I I work in finance and money every day. Mm. I don't want to come home and do it at home. But what I do do is I make sure that when a decision needs to be made, I prioritize it, I sit down, I do my homework, I do my research and I turn up and I make and I be present and I make a decision. The administrator's job is to fulfill the decision or put it into practice. It is not the administrator's job to make the decisions too. Yeah. Look, I love that. And I I think what I love from a conflict perspective is that this is really about the things that we can do, the clarity we can achieve to help reduce the risk that things will go wrong. So we're reducing the risk that our differences will divide us by talking about them and understanding them and valuing them, finding a place for them. If only it was that easy. We have to start somewhere. (laughs) We really, really, really do. So, you know, whether it's just acknowledging that there are differences, get them out on the table, have the conversation and you'll find a way forward and create your own rule book and your own money language. It doesn't have to be mine. It doesn't have to be yours and it doesn't have to be the Joneses. But the thing is, it does have to be. If you're going to have a successful relationship partnership, I think these things are a foundational requirement that will help you navigate the way forward. If you don't do it, it'll soon become apparent the reason why you needed to do it. Yeah, conflict will happen. Definitely. (laughs) All right. Well, I hope you got something out of that because I certainly did around the power of language and how we can take control and ownership and create our own money language. Thanks everyone for joining us and we look forward to sharing more about money and conflict in the near future. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode of Sarah Squared, where we hope you've discovered some useful tips on how to turn life's messy moments into opportunities for growth. If you'd like to support this podcast, please subscribe and share it with others. If you'd like to get in touch with either of the Sarahs, go to Instagram at Sarah Squared Podcast to stay up to date.